The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Okay, so today, by the grace of God, we are starting a new series, as you are aware, Winning the Invisible War. Winning the Invisible War. And um, we're in part one today, and in this part one, we are looking at the battle within. Winning the battle within. As you are aware, I mean, we've written a book on winning and how to gain and sustain victory in the battles of life. And, you know, the truth is, the significant part of that battle for us as Christians is invisible. It's totally invisible. So, there are forces we cannot see. There are terrains that are not visible to the physical eyes, but they influence our daily and daily life. So, for, for the Christian, we have three main enemies. We have the world, we have Satan, we have the flesh. So, the world is the value system around us. The flesh is the old nature within us. And Satan is the enemy outside against us. And sometimes, you know, we are bombarded on every side. And, and it's, like, it's like, where are we even going to begin from? But through Christ Jesus, and that's where the good news comes in. Through Christ Jesus, we have victory. We have victory already. So we will begin this series by looking at the battle within. One of the first things you must realize, you and I must realize, is that you are your own biggest enemy. Mm. I'm my own biggest enemy. You are your own biggest enemy. Now, we, we don't like to think of ourselves like that, but the moment you realize that, the easier it becomes for you to overcome the challenges of life. The biggest enemy you will overcome is the man in the mirror, is the woman in the mirror. That's the biggest enemy you will overcome. You know, someone says, oh, pastor, I'm, I'm tired of my boss. I'm tired of my um, husband. Or I'm tired of my wife. The children are running me nuts. I just need to go on a vacation to Tahiti. And they go on a vacation to Tahiti. They come back. They say, why do I still feel frustrated? You still feel frustrated because you went with you. <laughs> you went with yourself. You, know, you took yourself along. You know, the, the, the things we are kicking against in the people and the systems around us largely are the battles that are within us. Someone once said, well, Kelly, put it this way, says, we have met the enemy and the enemy is us. We have met the enemy and he is us. And when we look into the scriptures, Paul talks about this battle that he fought within himself. In fact, there's something about Paul that I really, really appreciate. And that is the fact that Paul was truthful. Paul was honest. In Romans chapter 7, Paul was completely honest. In fact, brutally honest. He was a man of God, obviously a Christian, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had real struggles. And he, he put them down in writing. In Romans 7, 15 to 25, I'm reading from the Living Bible, Romans 7, 15 to 25. The word of God says that, I don't understand myself at all, this is Paul speaking. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right. But I can't. I mean, think about it. This is the apostle of apostles. This is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. The strongest documented Christian, if you, if you will. And he's saying, he, didn't, he wasn't speaking in the past. Or in his past, concerning his past life. He was talking concerning his present life. As a Christian, the struggles he went through. Says, I don't understand myself at all. So I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to. I do what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with this law I am breaking. So he's saying that I know that what I'm doing is wrong. I'm agreeing with this law I'm breaking, but I'm breaking the laws anyways. Verse 17 says, but I can't help myself. And, and that is the one of the biggest revelations, really, for us to get to a point where we are like, look, I can't help myself. Because I no longer, I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside of me. And this is not Paul passing the book. This is Paul actually recognizing where the problem lies. It is sin inside of me that is stronger than I am, that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotting through and through, so far as my own sinful nature is concerned, that is. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyways. Now, if I am doing what I don't want to do, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. Verse 21. It seemed to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature, can you see a, a different nature there? A new nature is concerned. It says, but there is something else deep within me, in my lower nature. So two natures there. My new nature and my lower nature. That's at war within my mind. It's an internal battle. And wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant. But instead, I find myself still enslaved in sin. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but my old nature that is still within me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I am in. 
who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature. Thank God. Everybody say, thank God. <laughs> you see, sometimes when you look at that, when you read Paul's journey, you will think, oh, this is a hopeless man of God. This is a man of God that is really in trouble. But Paul was just being real. But thank God it did not end there. He says, thank God it has been done. By who? By Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has set me free. Now, the dynamics of this whole thing, once you get it, your life will totally, completely transform. Completely. So, Paul shows us six things that happen in our lives if we don't get it. Six things will happen when we don't know how to deal with the battle that is raging on our inside. There's a cost to it. So, there's a cost to the battle. So, if we don't know how to deal, how to navigate this raging storm, we're going to pay the price. Six of them. So, today we're going to look at the, the cost, the price. Then we're going to look at the cause, the reason for this battle. And we'll begin to look at the cure, the cure for the battle. We're going to begin the cure today. I mean, um, it's, 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 it's so amazing how, how, how rich the word of God is. And obviously, we cannot exhaust it today. And next week, in chapter 8 of Romans, we're going to press in further into the cure. But let's first understand the cost. The cost of not dealing with the battle within. The cost of not dealing with the battle that is raging within. The first cost of not winning the battle within is confusion. It's confusion. We are confused. Like Paul, we are confused. In verse 15, he says, I don't understand myself at all. That's a confused man. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what's right, but I can't do it. I can't do I do what I don't want to do. I do what I hate. If you cycle the word I in that passage of scripture, you see I six times. I don't understand. I really, I can't, I do, I don't, I hate. I, 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 I. Paul uses the first person pronoun of I and first person pronouns of I, me, mine 41 times in 12 verses of, of Romans 7. 41 times. I, I, me, mine, mine, I. Like Paul, we all have what we call an eye problem. <laughs> we have an eye problem. Oh, I. Oh, my. Oh, it is all about. We, we, we never really want to say it's all about me. But the things that irritate us, the things that make us uncomfortable, is all about self. And one huge revelation you can have is that I am my biggest problem. When you understand that, the biggest challenge is, is the man in the mirror or the baby in the mirror. Freedom begins to dawn. If we don't, confusion happens. So the first thing we see when we don't 
win the battle within, the cost is confusion. The second cost of not winning the battle within is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. In verse 16, it says, I know perfectly well now what I am doing wrong. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. So, so you see there, his conscience is, 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 is guilting him. His bad conscience is guilting him, is shaming him. And many times, when we don't know how to navigate the battles within, we live in shame. The proof, you see, if you have shame in your life, if you think about some things and you are ashamed of yourself, it's proof that you don't know how to navigate the battle within. I'm praying today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that every shame will come to an end in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. The, the grace to overcome the battle within, God will open to you this series in the mighty name of Jesus. So the, the third cost, the first cost is confusion, the second one is guilt and shame. The third cost of not winning the battle within is compulsion and addiction. So because we are confused and we feel guilty and we feel ashamed, we feel sometimes helpless and we feel compelled to do the things that we know not to do. Verse 17 says, but I can't help myself. You see, that's compulsion. It's a feeling of helplessness and the feeling of addiction. I can't help myself because I am no longer doing it. It is the sin that is within me that is stronger, can you see that, than I, that makes me do these things. So see the situation where a man of God, in the case of Paul, a child of God, in the case of us, go through situations where we feel helpless to things and the proof of the fact that we are not skilled to win these battles within, we are not equipped and we are not winning, is we feel we are addicted. If there's anything that you feel compelled that you have to do, that if you don't do, it's proof that you are paying the price of not winning the battle within. And I'm praying today that you will win the battle within. In the name of Jesus. So the fourth thing that happens when I don't know how to win the battle within is self-condemnation. Like we see here, Paul, Paul went through all these things and he's showing us the scripture. The Bible is so, so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Just sit down and read the Bible. You, It's like a mirror. Because it's a mirror. You see your life open up and God showing you what to do next. Verse 18a says, I know I am rotting inside out. I mean, even when I was reading that, I'm sure some of you are like, oh, pastor, don't confess negative words. Paul says, I know I am rotting inside out as far as my own sinful nature is concerned. Self-condemnation, he condemned himself. The fifth thing we see here is frustration. He was frustrated in verse 18b to 20. He says, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. He was frustrated. And the sixth thing is discouragement and despair. So after 
going through confusion, after going through guilt and shame, after going through compulsion and addiction, after going through self-condemnation and frustration, we are left with discouragement and despair. So we feel discouraged. We think that there's no point. We feel, oh, nobody can really serve God. Oh, we can't really serve God. Oh, this is a lost cause. And that's the lie of the devil. Big fat lie. Verse 21 to 23 says, it seems to be a fact of life. You see, this is a discouraged Christian. It seems to be a fact of life. He was in despair that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant. But instead, I find myself still enslaved. And so, confusion. The cost of not winning the battles within is huge. No one, no one can live in confusion, can carry the weight of guilt and shame, and be in compulsion and addiction, and in self-condemnation, and in frustration, and in discouragement and despair, and we live a happy life. We live a joyful life. We live a fulfilled life. No one can do can carry the weight of all those things and live a fulfilled life. So the, the weight of winning this battle within is upon us. And we must in the name of Jesus. I mean, if you look at it, God has even empowered us to. God has strengthened us to. God has delivered the victory to us. But to really get into it, we need to realize the cost. The cost. Why? Why? Why does it even happen? Then, as we get understanding, then we can begin to look at the cure. Everybody say the cure. The cure. But let's let's get the cost. The cost of the battle. What causes this battle today? And the cost is in, is in the scriptures we read. It's because I have two natures. That's it. That's it. I have two natures. There are two natures within you. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, there are two natures within you. The person that is not saved has only one nature. Doesn't feel this. Can do anything. They fact, they, they do, they kill, they, they steal. They stick with themselves. Man, man, woman, woman, man, woman, man, dog, dog, man, dog, I mean, man, chicken, I mean, feel nothing because it's the nature. So the issue is not judging people that are not Christians. The issue is making them Christians and leaving them alone with God. They will struggle, they will have to struggle themselves. They will go through that battle. That's why many of us, we have friends, they, they do stuff and they don't even, they don't feel anything. In fact, as if they are having the best time of their lives. But it is the seed of God in you that makes you uncomfortable and makes that body real. Pastor, show me in the Bible, I'll show you. Verse 21 and 23. It says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature. You see that? New nature. But there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war within my mind. So we see that the 
New nature is at war with the lower nature. And when you come to Christ, many times we think, oh, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So my old nature is passed away. <laughs> Behold, I have a new nature. No, that's not what the scripture says. What the scripture says is that all things, the things that, have, that you have accrued that should be upon you in judgment and punishment is gone. The things that you will accrue and you are currently accruing is gone. And the newness has come. Now, so Pastor, why are you saying that the old nature doesn't leave us? No, it doesn't. As long as you're on earth. I mean, I hate to break it to you. As long as you're on earth, be a Christian, you're going to have the old nature, you're going to have the new nature. It's a constant, constant, constant battle. Constant battle. So you don't get rid of the old nature until you go to heaven. It's when you see Jesus. That's when, you know, the old nature will go. So the old things that have passed away, the old things that have become new is the new nature. The old things that have passed away is the consequences of all the actions of the old nature. And the old nature itself in that it shouldn't have power over you. So, how will it not have power over you, the cure? And we're going to get to that. So, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, uh, there's a story of an um, Indian um, Christian, an old Indian um, chief that's a believer, and he was explaining this to his son. He was saying to his son, you have, a, you have the old nature, you have the new nature, and the son looked at him and said, Dad, which one wins? You know, with you, which one wins? And, and the father said to him, simply, whichever one I feed wins. So he gave him this illustration of, of, of two dogs. That, okay, they have two dogs. He says, if you feed one and you stab the other, one will always win the other. If you take them to a dog fight, you know, and you bet on one, he always wins. How do you know the one that will always win? The one that you feed, you win. So, same thing. The old nature and the new nature, the one you feed will win. If you keep feeding your old base nature, you keep feeding it with pornography, you keep feeding it with junk, you keep feeding it with crap, it it's overpowers the new nature. If you keep feeding the new nature, you keep feeding it with the word of God, you keep feeding it with quality worship, if you keep feeding it with fellowship, you keep feeding it with things that makes it strong, over time it overpowers the old nature. That's how it works. So, even though you're a believer and you have worked with God for a long time, you still have the old nature. You still want to be prideful. You still want to be self-centered. 
You still want to lie. You still want to exaggerate. You still want to gossip. You still want to do things that appeal to the lower nature. The old nature is still there. But if you keep entertaining these things, the old nature will get stronger. But since you already have the new nature also, the new nature it is it's hungry for the sincere milk of the word of God. If you, if you feed the new nature with the word of God, Fill the new nature with sound doctrine. Fill the new nature with the life and the spirit of God that flows from worship. Fill the new nature. The new nature becomes stronger. So, Romans 7 is the picture of a defeated Christian. Where Romans 8 is the picture of the victorious Christian. The difference is huge between Romans 7. And Roman 8, we're going to cover the details of that next week. So, you, you really don't want to miss next week. So, we've seen the cost. We've seen the cost. Now, we're going to begin to look at the, the cure. And that is really where it gets exciting. You know, I mean, the, the, the cost is like bad news. But here is the good news. The victory is ours. I see you triumphing over every internal battle in the name of Jesus. I, I see you overcoming every turmoil and confusion and guilt and shame and despair in the mighty name of Jesus. So to gain victory over the battle within, number one, I must deepen my understanding of Christ. I mean, this is huge. I must deepen my understanding of Christ. The more I grow my roots in Christ, the more I deepen my understanding of Christ, the more I have power and overcome the internal battles of confusion, of guilt, of shame, of despair, of all that has been listed. The more I walk in the reality of the new creation, I must deepen my understanding of Christ. The more I, I, I come to terms with the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, the more beautiful my life becomes. Romans chapter 7 verse 24 and 25 says, Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. That is amazing. Woo. Who will free me from this dominated life of sin? Thank God the answer is through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Why? Because if you are not a Christian, you won't have this battle. You won't. Why? Because you only have one nature. The low, the low life. The low nature. The low nature. But through Christ, when you have new nature, through Him, so it, 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 it is important that we deepen. The more, you know, when I survey the wondrous cross, when we Think upon that cross and embrace and survey and 
It's beautiful. It's vibrating. In verses 12 to 13 on Romans 6, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Instead, give yourself how completely, everything completely, completely to God since you have been given a new life. So, the fact that you've been given a new life doesn't mean you will give yourself completely to God. So, God is saying to you, now that you have been given a new life, I mean, it almost is on you to give yourself completely to God. Completely to God. So, you can be given a new life, can be saved, and you give yourself partially to God. Oh yeah, a lot of Christians do that. They give yourself partially to God. Then you wonder why you always struggle. It says, give yourself completely to God. So, having Christ in you is not enough, apparently. So, pastors, is, is, I thought that was enough, apparently not. No, Jesus doesn't just want to be resident in your life. Jesus wants to be president in your life. That's huge. He doesn't, doesn't want to be resident. He wants to be president in your life. Now, imagine, you know, folks, are emigrating to different parts of the world. I mean, Nigerians, I mean, and people in Canada, let's say Canada, for instance. For instance. So, in Canada, you're a resident, you become a citizen, and that gives you permanent residency and all that stuff. You know, for, for most people, that's their life ambition. And that's fine. They are resident. But it's another thing entirely to want to be president. In those nations that you naturalize, they ensure that you can never become a President, can never become president. But in the case of Jesus, Jesus is saying, Not only do I want to be resident in your life, I actually want to be president. Yes, I want to be president. I want to rule your life. I also want to be a housemate. I want to be Lord in that house. I want you to have a new banner under new management, under new government, under new government. Romans 8.2 says, it is for the new spiritual principle. You see that? New government. New spiritual principle of life in Christ Jesus lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin. So, when you read Romans Seven again. He says, Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? The word dominated by sin there means the body of death. So the KJV says something like this Who will free me from this body of death? Now, the picture is this back in the day, this is how it works. When someone commits murder back in the day, <laughs> The way, when you hear the body of death for us, they're like, okay, body of death. But for the Semites that lived in the times of Jesus and Paul, when you hear body of death, this is what, what happens. Someone commits murder. You know what they do? They chain the dead person to the person that committed the murder. So everywhere the person that committed the murder goes, is carrying the dead person that he killed, the person will rot, the person will smell, you are sleeping, 
you are in this, you, you are yoked with the stench. You are carrying the weight. Imagine carrying the weight of a dead person up and down. Nobody wants to associate with you. That is the picture Paul is painting here. That is what sin does to us. And that is how Paul sees himself. And that's how we actually are outside of Christ without winning this battle. Who will deliver me from this body of death? We are, without Christ, we are carrying body of death. It's weighty. It's heavy. It's thinking. It's repulsive. But that person is sleeping, is eating, is drinking, is having a shower, everything with the body of death. So, who will deliver me from this body of death? Can you see the picture? is not vivid. This is, thank God. Now, that's what. Secondly, Paul did not say, what will deliver me? Check all the other translations. I mean, I did that. I mean, if, you, if you take your time, I check. He says, who will deliver me? Who? Not what? Who? So, the answer to the battle in you is not a principle. It is not a program. It is not a pill. It is a person. His name is Jesus. The answer to the problem is not a book. It's not to read 10 steps. It's not the next conference. It's not philosophy. The answer to your deliverance, I'm happy to tell you, it's not even therapy. It's not. It's not. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. When you come in contact with Jesus, when you come in contact with Jesus, when you deepen your depth in Jesus, all these things that are plaguing you, boom, they lose their hold upon you. I can tell you stories of my life. The deeper I got with God, it became impossible for me to be in despair. It became impossible for me to be in confusion. It became impossible for me to be in guilt and shame. It absolutely impossible because he nailed it to the cross. And the more I press into him, the real, the more real, rather, the reality of this work becomes. When we come to him and we see what he has to offer us. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, yes. Jesus is a person, is the answer. And next week, by God's grace, we're going to show you how, how Jesus can be more practical in your lives. How? So the first thing is, I must deepen my understanding of Christ. That's the first thing. To gain victory over the battle within, I must deepen my understanding of Christ. The risen Lord, the resurrection and the life. Ah, I must deepen my understanding of him. The second thing is I must detect, disarm and delete 
the lie I am believing. Everybody is believing a lie, and that's why everybody is limited. Every limitation is held together by a lie. Every limitation is held together by a lie. The day you detect, disarm, delete that lie, boom, you go to the next level. That is how it works. First John 1 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We have the capacity to deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We have the capacity. You know, human beings have this amazing capacity of deceiving themselves. Every time you expose and challenge a lie that you believe, deliverance happens. Every single time. You know, many times our view of deliverance is, 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 is warped. The reason you are limited is because you believe the lie. Think about it. What area do you think you are limited? There is a lie behind it that you have embraced and you are holding on to. It's your reality, but it's a lie. It's, 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 it's tangible, quote-unquote, to you because you've held it for so long. But it is still a lie. The moment you detect it, you disarm it, and you delete it, boom! So, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Behind every self-defeating act is a lie I have believed. Think about any part of your life that you have a self-defeating act. Behind it is a lie. And we all tell ourselves lies all the time. One of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is, oh, it's not a problem. It's no biggie. You know, no biggie. You look at your finances. You know, you are, you are spending more than you are earning. No biggie. No biggie. You look at your finances. It's in chaos. You, you are not tithing. You are not doing governance of wealth. You are not giving. You are not saving. You are not all the principles of financial uh, clarity. You are eating more burgers. You are, you know, chopping life. You say, no, 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 it's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. You're married. A couple. You look at your sex life. You know there's a problem with your sex life. But you tell yourself, oh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. You are lying to yourself. You look at your prayer life. You're a Christian. And you look at your prayer life. No, no. It's not a problem. We tell ourselves the biggest, fattest lies. No, it's not a problem. You look at our, our children. You see, your children are going in the wrong direction. They're like, oh, they will, they will recalibrate. Oh, really? Oh, really? Really? Because you don't want to be the parent God has called you to be and pay the price. No, it's not a problem. We are hot tempered. We have short fuses. We, our leads go off easily. Oh, it's not a problem. Oh, I'll just manage it. We lie to ourselves. Instead of us to tell ourselves that, look, this is a problem. I need help. No, it's not a problem. You look at your thought life. Your thought life is chaotic. It's chaotic. It's not a problem. You are foul mounted. Not a problem. You are gossip seeking. Not a problem. So, you see, I need to say to you the biggest liar you know is you. 
The biggest liar I know is, is me. <laughs> the biggest liar. The more, the, the more you stop telling yourself lies, the freer you become. Not only are you the biggest liar you know, the person you lie to the most is yourself. Is yourself. You do it all the time. So, to stop defeating yourself, to stop defeating myself, I must stop deceiving myself. For me to stop defeating myself, I must stop deceiving myself. Have a mantra for your life. Unto yourself be true. Unto yourself be true. That's, in fact, that's one of the, um, the greatest things, I mean, statements that have changed my life most radically. I have a couple of those. When the minister's conference, and the man of God I was preaching, the title was Unto Yourself Be True. I can never forget. Unto yourself be true. Look, when it's all said and done, shut the door and tell yourself the truth. Just try it. Take yourself the truth. Take yourself the truth. That's the beginning of your freedom. Beginning of your freedom. So, number one, to gain victory, you know, we are just stepping into the waters. Next week, we're going to go deeper by the grace of God. Number one is what? Come on, say, I must deepen my understanding of Christ. Number two, come on. Say, 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 I must detect the sound and delete the lie I have believed. Number three, I must declare my struggle to another. I must declare my struggle to another. I am struggling with my mouth. Say it to, the, to your accountability partner. I'm struggling with my mind. I'm struggling with my behavior. I'm beginning to be badly behaved these days. You need to have someone that you can talk to. I'm struggling with a secret addiction. You need to have someone you can talk to. So, like someone said, revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. I mean, that is so beautiful. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. I'm not saying everybody is ah, oh, ah, you know, ah, I just told the lie yesterday. Ah, I just told the lie yesterday. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Don't tell everybody. But you must have one person, at least. Could be two, but at least one person. James 5 16 says to us, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so God can heal you. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Great things happen when a believing person prays. So, as we wrap it up, in Galatians 5, 6, the word of God says to us in Galatians 5, 6, says, live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. Live in the Holy Spirit and you will not do what your sinful nature craves. The difference between Romans 7, which is the defeated Christian, and Romans 8, which is the victorious Christian, is just the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. This is, I'm giving you, you know what they call conge for next expo. <laughs> the difference between Romans 8 and Romans 7, Romans 7 and Romans 8 is the Holy Spirit. In Romans 7, the phrase, 
Holy, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is never mentioned in Romans 7. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Spirit, never mentioned in Romans 7. Not once. Instead, 41 times we have I, me, my, myself, all personal pronouns. It's all about me. That, that's the problem of Romans 7. However, in Romans 8, the word Holy Spirit or Spirit referring to the Holy Spirit, capital S, is mentioned 19 times. And that's the difference. That's the difference. That's the difference. But next week, we'll dive deeper in it. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. I want you to think about what you've heard today. Oh, think about what you've heard. God wants you to have peace internally. Many of you are going through internal turmoil, internal confusion, internal shame and guilt. God wants you to have victory. You're never going to get the victory of chapter 8 until you experience the frustration of chapter 7. No, no, no. So the frustration of chapter 7 is actually prophesied for the victory of chapter 8. But to even experience the frustration of chapter 7, you have to be saved. For you to walk in the freedom of God, you have to be saved. So you're like, Pastor, pray with me. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to deepen and get to know him for starters. Then deepen my knowledge of him. Wherever you are, you have put up your hand now. If you are online, also put up your hand and put it down back. If you're in church physically, put up your hand until you get a card. And the RP is going to take it from here. It's going to pray for you 